This is the Real Leadership Podcast, a conversation about getting authentic, being yourself, and not being afraid of who you are, with Mark LeBusque and Kate Bora. Kate Bora here, founder and CEO of Young Professional Women, joined by the wonderful Mark LeBusque. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me on board and welcome to our listeners. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about the very important topic of workplace bullying, which has had a big kind of conversation following for a number of years. Organisations have written policies about it. We know there's evidence out there that says it's rife in organisations. But there's some really interesting things around, you know, how do we deal with that? How do you actually navigate it if you wanted to make potentially a claim within your organisation? So let's start, Mark, talking, I guess, around what is workplace bullying? We know, you know, it's physical, but it's also mental and emotional. So keen to get your thoughts on that. Okay, thanks, Kate. Look, it's a really interesting topic. And I think when I think about it myself, it's more about these days about the emotional um, side of it, more so than the physical. And when I think about that, it's just the way that managers perhaps sometimes don't know they're doing it, but they uh, could be isolating people, playing mind games with them, um, just doing those little things in, in the office environment that as they start to build up and people see them, they start to turn into something that's more than just maybe a bit of fun and a bit of a joke. And uh, I just think managers need to start to become aware of that. So I really, I think the focus on the emotional one is a good one to look at today. Yeah, absolutely. And the mental, you know, I think the physical to a degree has gotten a lot of attention. I'd like to think that most leaders in organisations are pretty clear that any sort of bullying and harassment, particularly physical related, is unacceptable in their organisation. I'm going to say, sadly, I've heard stories of where that's not the case. And we see nearly every week there's something in the media about someone. Um, and you've only got to look at, you know, obviously all the media that's come out in the last sort of six months around Harry Weinstein and all, all that sort of thing. I'd suggest it, it probably is quite endemic in Australia as well. I don't think we're, we're on the other side of it yet. So I think the physical is definitely one that, that is worth talking about as well. But I think the mental and emotional is the silent one. Yeah. You know, if we see physical um, intimidation or bullying in the workplace, I think as humans we're more likely to stand up and say that's not okay. It's the same in context of domestic violence, the evolution of domestic violence, where we're all pretty clear that physical domestic violence is unacceptable. Um, I think the challenge is when we look at emotional and mental violence, there's a lot more grey in that space and I think it's the grey that makes it challenging for people to step up and advocate on behalf of perhaps people who can't speak up for themselves or actually just say hey this is not okay we need to stop this behaviour. Yeah look great point and I think it, it is certainly harder to pick up on and and maybe one of the reasons that is is it's this old adage of oh you know I was just having a bit of a joke it was just a bit of fun and you know it's always been like this and um I think that we need to start to realise that it's not acceptable anymore. That that joke that you might make and or that isolation of someone or whatever it might be, that is impacting upon another human being in your organisation. And those that are seeing that um, need to start to call it out. Yeah, and I think let's just touch on the joke piece because I think sometimes there are people who perhaps are not as culturally aware and sensitive to other people's feelings. So sometimes... For some people, in a really authentic way, they are wanting just to, you know, have a joke and, and it's quite humorous and they don't mean to offend. So I think there's an opportunity in those sorts of scenarios, and we'll get to this later when we talk about how do you actually deal with it, just to kind of say, hey, listen, just to let you know. And I've actually had this recently with a client who started in a new organisation with incredibly sexually explicit behaviour going on within the first week in terms of comments directed to them and also conversation 
around the table. And we talked pretty early. I, you know, I said, you really need to set some strong boundaries early. You need to kind of say that, look, this may be the way things are. I get that you're not trying to be offensive. And in the same breath, I wouldn't suggest that I'm particularly oversensitive. And you need to know that the way that that conversation's being conducted is just totally not okay for the workplace. And I got a really great text from her after that saying, thanks so much for your help with that. Had the conversation, went really well. Everything's going awesome. And that had the potential to completely derail that new role. And had it not been stopped early and progressed, you know, you can only imagine in three months' time what could have happened. Yeah. And probably no impact on the people in that room, but an impact on her where she would probably be at the point she'd need to resign and completely impact her career path and possibilities because of it. So I think there's an opportunity and an onus on us from an individual point of view that says when we're around behaviour that's not okay with us for whatever reason, we don't need to justify the fact that it's not okay, but we do need to speak up. And it takes courage to do that in any of those environments, whether it's physical, mental or emotional. Oh, there's no doubt. Look, and I think the first thing that will come to people's mind if they do speak up in an organisation, even on a really important topic like this, is what's the impact going to be on me? I'd like to think of it this way, is thinking about what the impact is on that person, particularly that person you spoke about one week in. What's the impact on her if I let this go? And you don't have to be a manager or a so-called leader to find your voice, as we've spoken about finding your voice before, is to speak up and say, hey, that's not okay. Um, And here's why I think that. Now, if someone then says we're just having a joke, I'm not the fun police. I'm not against having a joke, but there's a really fine line, I think, now between having a joke and I think what's acceptable in 2018 versus what might have been acceptable in 2017 or maybe 20 years ago. So I think it's important that people speak up when they see things that that, that believe are going to be harmful to others. Yeah, and that's true. That's true for everyone. You know, another example I share again recently. So the prevalence of recent examples suggests to me, Mark, that there is behaviour going on in organisations that would shock us that you would not expect. And, and, these are big organisations where there's pockets of behaviour that, you know, you would think in, particularly with all the media with Harry Weinstein and Don Burke and all that stuff, you would think that a lot of people are, you know, I almost felt sorry, and I say that for men because I could imagine there's men out there going, oh, my gosh, it's a matter, you know, if I've been behaving badly, it's a matter of time, you know, Oprah Winfrey times up, I'm going to be found out. And so I would think that there would be a certain level of hypervigilance now around Behavior, particularly things like sexually explicit behavior, bullying, harassment of significant overt nature. So not the passive aggressive type, but quite the overt stuff that would have people very guarded, aware of their own behavior. But it doesn't seem to be playing out that way. So I think we've definitely, um, definitely got some interesting times ahead. Piece I wanted to share though was, you know, in organizations where we've got these bullying and harassment policies. So look wide and far, every organization has policies. What's interesting is how if we actually have these policies and as an organisation and a leadership team, we expect these policies to drive behaviour, how much evidence do we see of people actually coming and lodging claims underneath these policies? And I would suspect, and, you know, I've talked about this before, the number's quite small and we've seen it in some of our research with the young professional women community. And I coach clients very carefully in these situations around whether 
to actually lodge a formal complaint or not because it's actually the individual who, if we use the word victim, which I don't really like to use, but if we use that, that actually ends up being the one investigated. Yeah, look, I think there's a couple of ways to approach that. And, and one thing, first of all, be really clear in your mind that, hey, this is something that needs to be raised. Now, there's a couple of ways you could do that. I, I guess one way is the formal complaint and filling out the formalities of that. Another one might be just making certain people aware in your organisation that, hey, I've received this, here's a bit of a heads up for you, of what do you think I should do with it? Maybe that's a safer way to step into it. I'm not all about safety because there could be an example here where it's cut and dried and you just need to, to put something in. The big point that you hit on then is around who becomes a victim here. And my observations in in the, the corporate land would be that usually the person who puts a complaint in seems to be the one that becomes the victim. So therefore, the question I then ask is, why would I put a complaint in to have to go through that? And then secondly, maybe I should just leave. And it's incredibly stressful. I've coached mm. someone through a, I'd say he was a middle-aged man who um, had a female colleague put in a claim and a very, you know, we talk about the joke, very lovely, quite jovial, potentially I could see that the opportunity for where some of his comments could be misconstrued. Absolutely no intention that sat behind that. But that was a three-month process for him, his team and his colleagues of him being investigated. Incredibly stressful. Mm. And it, it does severe damage. So I think, and that's not to say that we shouldn't look at the formal avenues, but experience tells me that it's actually the person who lodges the claim that actually ends up being harmed more than the person that is being had the claim put against them in terms of what that means for them professionally, in terms of being investigated, being questioned, all of those sorts of things. So I think, you know, it, it, the ultimate piece here is don't let it get to the formal stage. How do we go about um, addressing some of these things really early, um, like the example I I showed earlier. And I think that other piece around the onus on us as individuals to be the one to step up and say something. I've got a really interesting example at the moment where a young client in her early 20s in a big organisation um, who has received some pretty disparaging feedback by a, a very senior person in the organisation, you know, what makes you think your opinions count or that you've got a right to a, to a voice, things like that that's just completely inappropriate in today's world. And so this individual kind of shared it with another manager, some more, more of a direct line manager in that relationship. And comments were made about, you know, well, that, oh, yeah, just forget about it. That's just what that person's like. And I think the interesting observation for me and what really struck me in that conversation is if, if a peer or someone more senior in the organisation is not willing to step up and say that behaviour is not okay, how could we expect someone more junior to even think about mentioning to HR that they feel like they've been treated unfairly or that potentially there's bullying and harassment here because that would just completely, you can just imagine the level of scrutiny that they would be under and the reaction of this more senior person, mm. you know, how, how would you deal with that? Well, it comes back to that old adage of it's what you're prepared to walk past is sort of where your organisation's at. And you've just given a great example of a senior manager walking past something by saying, no, that's just him. That's just the way he is. That is, I think, culturally significant to say that we accept that type of behaviour here. If the senior leaders and managers in an organisation aren't going to walk their talk, it makes it extremely hard for the example you just gave a young female to step in and be courageous enough to do that because I think she's just got the answer to what 
what her question is going to be, is that, no, we don't deal with that here. Correct. Um, so this comes back to the point before about finding your voice and I think finding people in the organisation who have a, an ability to step up and call these things out. And whether they're in HR, whether they're senior managers, look for those people in the business that at times you hear them call things out. And calling things out around, hey, the way you treated that person in that meeting, the way you spoke to them, um, you're isolating them. When you hear those things, I think you've got to get yourself around those people to create more of that being the rule in your business and the exception. Yeah. So that's a good point. Let's move to that. You know, how do you actually deal with it as an individual? Um, But with that particular scenario I was sharing before, the coaching I gave was, you know, I don't know that I would lodge a complaint. I don't like a Mm. formal complaint. I think there's inherent challenges. You know, we talked about potentially sending it to HR as an FYI. Mm. It creates an opportunity for awareness to be there at a more senior level and then for them to create an opportunity to observe firsthand behaviour. And so I guess that's one pathway. I think there's an inherent legal issue, though, because I do believe that the minute something is raised, even if it's not formal, potentially the onus is on the organisation from a duty of care to go and investigate. So there could be some fine details there that could you definitely want to you definitely want to understand before you took that sort of behaviour. But I think the example we talked about early, give feedback early. Mm-hmm. If there's behaviour that's not okay with you, uh, mental, emotional, physical, that immediately the first time it happens or the second time it happens that you actually address that situation in private ideally not in an open room but you know it might be that it is appropriate to perhaps use a little bit of humor and put a little bit of a comment there that ultimately i'd suggest in most situations mark we'll stop it we'll put a boundary up Mm. and say oh okay i've hit a boundary here and i've got clear feedback that what I've just said is not okay, I know not to go there again. Yeah, I think that word boundary is a really important one here. And even if you are in an organisation and you've been there for a while or you are starting out somewhere, I think one of the things early on is is that you set and create these boundaries around the things that you are accepting and the things that you're not accepting. And not accepting being isolated and ridiculed and made to look small, I think they are things that just human beings want. So I think setting boundaries early on is really important. I also think making sure that your manager is aware of your boundaries as well. Secondly, if you're not comfortable and perhaps the harassment or bullying has come from someone else in the business, get your manager to help you through that process, to sponsor you in some ways through that, maybe give you some guidance. And then thirdly, it would be through to HR and a formal complaint. But I loved your point before, Kate. I'm not sure I'd want to go there straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a manager, what do you think as leaders we need to be aware of? If we've got staff in our, you know, in our care, which I think is really great language, how do we go about making sure that we're just helping our team deal with that? We're being aware of uh, interactions between them and other stakeholders in the organisation and empowering them perhaps to be able to set those boundaries in a really respectful way. Yep. So first thing for me is um, role modelling it yourself. That's the first thing. They're going to look up. People look up and they look up and they see, okay, so if Kate is like this and she role models it and I see her calling things out, I'm going to feel safe enough to do that myself. So a manager must role model it. A manager must also have the awareness to pick things up. I'd like to call it what's not said in the room. What's the body language? What's some of the things that are going on in the room that you might just stop and go, hey, hang on a minute, there's something not right here at the moment. And it might be that if someone's being isolated, you as the manager bring them back into the conversation by just asking them a simple question. And I think the last one is just support. Yeah. You just need to be a someone who can listen. When someone's talking about a grievance, 
don't start to go to the, oh, they're just like that story you carry. It's like, no, no, no. Imagine if this was me in that situation. How would I feel and what support would I like to get and act as that support for those people under your care? Yeah, and that leads into how do you actually help your people have really effective, constructive conversations so Mm. that they are able to deal with the small things rather than waiting for it to get to crisis level where people are shouting across each other in a room, really angry, worse still, off on stress leave. Mm. Um, I think the ability to be able to act on the small stuff, act early, act with respect and be able to do that. And if they need you in the room to help facilitate and coach them through it, great. But how do we do it in a way that's really respectful? And I think you've mentioned this in one of our um, in one of our priory conversations around almost assume that the intention is not to hurt, at mm. least initially. I think as humans, we're really good at going to the story and making up the story about they're trying to sabotage me and all of those sorts of things. And I, I wonder what would happen if we actually just held that now, perhaps that wasn't their intention for the comment. And how can I have a good conversation with them right now that says, you know what, I'm not sure what, what your intentions were, but I just I want to let you know that when you did that, when you said that in the room, you know, this is kind of how it made me feel. You know, the impact of that, you know, on people in the room in terms of, you know, how they see me was quite significant. Mm-hmm. And what would be really great is if there is something that you need to address with me personally, it'd be really great if you just came and said, you know, we sat down and had a coffee and had a good chat about it and yep. came up with a solution. I think the word feel is a really important one here. Having that conversation and keeping that mindset that maybe they didn't do it intentionally, but just let them know this is how it made me feel. What's really interesting is I just read something recently about you know, the impact and cost on businesses now of mental and emotional well-being is has gone past physical stuff. Yeah. And I think that's something else that um, managers and organisations need to take into account here. There's a significant cost to your business if you walk past this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect note to end it on. Mark, as always, a pleasure. Thanks, Kate. And uh, we'll have a chat again soon. Thank sure. you. Hey, it's Mark here again. Thanks for listening to our episode. If you liked it, why not rate it five stars? And if you loved it, share it with your friends and ask them to subscribe. For more information about our companies, for young professional women of Australia, check out www.ypwa.com.au or for Mark LaBusque, check out www.marklabusque.com. And while you're there, have a look at my book, Being Human. Hey, looking forward to our next podcast when we're going to be talking about the topic of career development. But until then, keep your leadership real. Bye for now.